Are you experienced? Have you ever been experienced? I have. And we are back with another episode of the Anarchist Experience, episode 324, a.k.a. Year 7, Week 22, uh, coming at you this week. As always, I am your host, Mr. Richie Rich, along with MC and KS. And since we are doing this now through Clubhouse, uh, still, you have to at me on Clubhouse, at Riches for Rich, R-I-C-H-E-S, the number four, R-I-C-H, to get notifications on when we go live. Because whatever, man, Clubhouse still won't let us form our own club. The old rules said like, oh, after you, after you host like a couple of rooms, then you, know, you, then you can apply for, for Clubhouse club membership. And they just haven't offered me that and haven't extended the invitation and haven't uh, responded to my request when I go, okay, let's start our own club. Still haven't done it. Do so. you think it's because of the name associated with your... No, I think it's because aside from doing this show, I'm very inactive on Clubhouse. Like I have no desire to participate in anybody else's club or group. I think it's because you don't have a lot of followers yet. So if you were Brad Pitt, uh, you'd immediately have uh, 100,000 followers and um, you'd be able to create your own room or whatever. Okay. But I think it's an algorithm thing. Difficult to get followers when they don't let me create a club to get people to join and everyone's got to follow me personally, which they may not want to do. So it's kind of like it's kind of like Twitter, where if you're already popular, then it's a great place to uh, put your views out there. But if you're not, nobody cares. That is true with podcasting in general, right? True. Like nobody cares un- unless you're already like a name, and then all of a sudden your your opinion somehow matters uh, mm-hmm. if you maintain the script, right? And so there's something else that you could do is <clears throat> you know find some popular Bitcoiner and have him on the show. And then when he gets on, you know, our little room, then everybody will see, Oh, uh, this, you know, rich guy, he's kind of interesting. And then they'll follow you. And so then you'll get a whole bunch more subscribers. Right. And then you'll be able to make your own room. Now I don't want, I don't want to throw this back at you MC, but some years ago we did have the opportunity to get the Kokesh bump prior to clubhouse. And, I'm pretty sure he'd still be up for it. Maybe. But at, at <laughs> so, the time when I said, hey, do we want the Kokesh bump? You said, fuck that guy. I don't like him at all. I went, all right, we won't have him on the it's show. Not, it's not that I don't like him. I just, I just, um, I, 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 I don't know. <clears throat> it's okay. I'm, I'm not mad at you, but. <laughs> no, but there if, was a name. seriously, yeah, if, no. if you want, if you want that, that's fine. I'll talk to the guy. He's, he's, he's a very interesting, popular guy. And. Yeah. Um, he's, you know, he's been through a lot, so. Yeah. Um, no, I get it. I just, you know. I, I just, what, what I feel like is that with him, I, I wish there was some type of apology for his weird behavior. Um, I don't know if I'll ever get that, but you know, whatever. <laughs> okay. And I'll, I'm just going to let that go from here because I don't, you know, he's not on here. I don't know if we're actually going to invite him on here. So I don't want to put him on blast and not, and him not have the opportunity to respond nor do I want to start like, you know, a shit talk battle with him on, you know, uh, Adam yeah, versus the and, man. Like that's not my goal. Yeah, and, and really all that drama w- was just drama and 
uh, it's not even the most interesting thing about uh, Kokesh or right, uh, and it doesn't really further any ideas, you know. Right. So, so we'll move so, on from that. But there is a lot of drama, high drama, going on in the Libertarian Party. Uh, I, I know this shows the anarchist experience. I I do sometimes I feel, especially recently, part of moving here, that there's been a lot of overlap with like the anarchist perspective and what goes on in like the libertarian movement. Um, I know there, I know that the, the Venn diagram is not a perfect circle between anarchists and libertarians. Um, but I do think there, there is a significant enough overlap where libertarian issues affect anarchist perspectives on things, if that's fair. And so I pay attention to it uh, from the outside looking in, and once again, high drama uh, in the Libertarian Party here in New Hampshire uh, with some hostile takeovers. Some what I call, I said it was 4D chess. Someone said, no, man, 10D chess uh, with what's going on. Um, so I'm here. I'm not a member of the party. I don't, you know, I don't participate in party politics. Um, you guys do in Hawaii as part of the Libertarian Party, maybe not too extensively. Um, but KS, you did, you knew, you know, you ran for office at one point, right? Under the, under the libertarian ticket. Yeah. Yeah. I was chair okay. of the party for a while. There you go. So, so you have, you might have some insight, uh, from a party perspective that I don't have from a party perspective. And I, I may have some insight from a local perspective that you guys aren't privy to because, Hey, you're getting yeah. information from, you know, Spoiler thousands alert. of miles away. Spoiler alert. We don't. We don't have any information on it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, That's you definitely true. We, we've been distanced. I mean, I can talk about historic you know, like 20 years ago, but not now. I don't know. So, ironically enough, like a lot of this drama, um, I know she'd, she's not going to want the attention, nor is she warranted the attention, but it like centers around one particular female in the Libertarian Party. That is in New Hampshire. In New Hampshire. Okay. That is not liked by either side of this dispute. And, you know, it appears as though she was like a pawn in this little game from both sides. Um, yeah. And then she's basically like an online troll. Like if you, if you follow her on social media, um, she, you know, I've only met her once in person. Um, I was cordial. She was cordial. I don't think outside of that, I would ever be friends with this individual, um, mostly because her, and I, I messaged her this like on Facebook, like she posted something and I commented this like exact thing. I said, because your entire persona, right, is based around victimhood and being a victim to everything that's going on. And personally, I just don't want to be, a, I don't want to associate with that kind of person, right? I like people who are have self-responsibility, who want to do better, who want to grow, who want, you know, and no matter what her issue is, it is never her fault, and there is never a solution, right? Like, I don't want a solution. I want to be the victim here. Like, that is her, like, the, the meme that, my, in my opinion, describes her the best. So, now, centering around her, drama in the LP, my information based on information that I've gathered from multiple sources, uh, you know, people I've talked to in person, uh, people that have, you know, posted on social media, whole bunch of information from both sides of the issue. And here's what I have gathered 
as what happened. Um, the Libertarian Party, for some time now, depending on who you talk to, has been um, an outlet for the disenfranchised and a lot of the social justice type individuals who can't, who don't fit in to any other party. Um, and the Libertarian Party has been made weaker because of this. And somewhere along the line, I don't even know how this group got started, but the Mises Caucus was formed within the Libertarian Party. And I guess their mission was to take back the party and reestablish libertarian principles throughout the party. And, you know, like thick libertarianism or thin libertarianism, where it's like, if you're libertarian, it's because you believe in the non-aggression principle and that is the core foundation. No, no, no social justice, no you know, party of the disenfranchised just because you're a victim to something that you belong here, but the party, once again, of principle. And so the Mises Caucus set out to take over the local libertarian parties wherever they could. Uh, and I want to I use the hyperbolic phrasing of by any means necessary, uh, even though it's technically not the case. Like they, were, they, they have been very strategic across the board in uh, membership recruitment, running for committees, right? Uh, establishing votes, uh, you know, uh, doing things by the book, by the bylaws, so that, you know, as they performed this hostile takeover uh, of the Libertarian Party, everything was done by the book along party principles. Make sense so far? Mm-hmm. Is, am I clear so far? Because this is, this is a long synopsis here i'll take that as a yes okay good Mm -hmm. so at some point um the the head of the libertarian party in new hampshire made it known to the executive committee in the libertarian party in new hampshire whose members uh for the most part are members of the mises caucus like they took over the executive committee by vote right they went we were voted in as the executive committee, Mises Caucus rules, right? O'Doyle rules. Um, and so the head of the, the Libertarian Party here, uh, Gilletta Jarvis, does that name ring a bell to you guys? Like, you, No. Doesn't matter. Okay, doesn't matter then. She's the one. So I can use her name going forward, Gilletta Jarvis. Um, she made it known to them that this particular unliked individual, whom we'll call Jackie, uh, like doxed her and sent out her personal information um, to, like, members of the general public. And, you know, the, 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 the post from, quote-unquote, Jackie online was basically, hey, the, liber- the, the head of the Libertarian Party in New Hampshire is acting this way. Here is her email address. Here is her phone number. Let her know that you don't agree with what she's saying or doing, right? Like, mm-hmm. giving out her information— uh, Gilletta made the claim that, you know, the information that Jackie let out was given to Jackie in private, right? Like, here's a personal email to you, from me to you, to like, you know, to get a job or whatever. And upon hearing this from the head of the Libertarian Party, the executive committee, who most of them do not like, quote unquote, Jackie at all, right? Like, you know, that there is some some hatred and some vitriol and some 
you know, just general animosity amongst them, set it upon themselves to vote her out of the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire. Poof, Jackie, you were gone by decree of the executive committee um, for, you know, threatenings for violation of the non-aggression principle, yada, 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 whatever, whatever their excuse was, they declared that, you know, this doxing behavior is, is toxic and uh, uh, accounts to, um, amounts to terrorism, you know, in some form or fashion. Uh, and that is not a party plank of the Libertarian Party and that is not acceptable. Uh, it's unbecoming of a member of the Libertarian Party. And so, poof, you're out. Now, of course, Jackie uh, defended herself saying, hey, this is public information and I'm allowed to share this information because as the head of the Libertarian Party, if you are acting outside your scope of head of the Libertarian Party and Libertarians wish to get a hold of you and you are not answering through the official channels, right? And your other, you know, your, your, your personal phone number, your personal email is public information because you can do a Google search for it. Uh, then I have no qualms about uh, sharing that information with you, with, with people to get a hold of you, Miss Jarvis. And so there was, you know, there was some, some hankering around there as to whether or not uh, she actually doxed, whether or not she could be kicked out. And then in a game of significant 4D chess, uh, Gilletta Jarvis then said that the executive committee uh, did not have the authority to kick Miss Jackie out of the Libertarian Party. And by acting unilaterally and outside the bylaws of the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire, uh, de facto resigned their positions from the Libertarian Party effective immediately. So Gilletta ousted uh, the, the Mises Caucus members who were attempting their coup, their hostile takeover of the Libertarian Party basically by pawning this Jackie fellow uh, and, you know, pitting them against these others so she could make her executive uh, order. Upon, upon evicting the Mises Caucus members from the executive committee of the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire, uh, she then seized the bank accounts and the assets of the Libertarian Party uh, by, you know, obtaining the, the keys, you know, the keys to the storage facility, the bank account passwords, um, and also the login information to like the Twitter account, which, appar- which apparently is important these days. Um, the the executive committee was replaced unilaterally by Gillette. So I go, all the, now that we don't have an executive committee, I will be appointing my own executive committee of the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire. They will be people of my choosing, not people voted on by the Libertarians in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. So a, 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 a dictatorship of sorts from Gillette Jarvis uh, in, in uh, uh, assuming control of the Libertarian Party in New Hampshire. Now it goes further. Uh, she also basically disbanded the Libertarian Party and said that everyone who was a member of the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire is no longer a member of the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire. If you wish to become a member of the party of the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire, you need to reapply. Now, if you've recently paid your dues, you will be credited for those dues, uh, but you need to reapply to become a member of the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire. Not only that, you must now swear an oath written by Gilletta Jarvis herself uh, to the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire 
you know, uh, affirming certain things about, you know, about how you intend to act as a member of the Libertarian Party. I don't, I don't have that part in front of me, but, you know, it's, it's, it, it's not all that bad. But it was, a uni- again, a unilateral je- declaration from the, uh, you know, chairperson of the Libertarian Party in New Hampshire um, without going through any other committee or board. Just every, no, no one's a Libertarian anymore, and you have to swear my oath in order to become one again. This did not sit well with the executive committee, the ousted executive committee of the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire. And they said, well, that's bullshit. In fact, we're going to take a vote and we're going to remove Jaletta Jarvis as head of the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire. She can appeal to like the judicial committee or, you know, whatever, whatever. I think it's the judicial committee for, you know, arbitration of some kind to, to see who was in the right and who was in the wrong. Not only that. We, as the, the, the outright voted in by the members of the Libertarian Party Executive Committee of New Hampshire, uh, not only are you out, but we uh, would like control of the Libertarian Party assets, right? We, we want the bank account back in our control. Uh, we want the physical assets that was removed from storage back into our control. And we want the password to that Twitter account. Uh, and they voted, right? And so, so... Now you've got two factions of libertarians. Now, as a side tangent, what gets even better is uh, there's a there's a secreta- secretarial position of some kind. I don't remember the exact title um, of the Libertarian Party, who was a Mises Caucus member, and sometime last year, uh, maybe it's like the tr- sec- Treasury Secretary or something like that, was supposed to file the paperwork. Uh, with the state of New Hampshire for the ongoing operation of the Libertarian Party. And this individual failed to do so. So there are claims that the Libertarian Party was not in effect for the past six months or eight months because it was supposed to be turned in last year by like October or something. And then upon seizing control of the party, uh, Gilletta Jarvis had that paperwork filed and therefore, she is the outright and recognized uh, party in New Hampshire. And this other party, the Mises Caucus Party, uh, without their properly filed paperwork, do not exist, uh, in fact. And, you know, per, per national party guidelines, there can only be one local affiliate. And now you have two competing factions fighting over for who will have the title of Libertarian Party of New Hampshire. And so they appealed in some form or fashion uh, to Joe uh, Joe Bishop Henchman, head of the Libertarian National Committee um, at the national level. And he went, you know what? I'm not having any of this infighting. Gilletta, the Libertarian Party is yours because we don't (laughs) want this hostile takeover of the Mises Caucus. And and so it was. You know, the, the attempted coup by the Mises Caucus uh, was thwarted by the single dictator, Gilletta Jarvis, using the pawn, Jackie, uh, as, a, as a crux of which to establish dominance or, you know, to get the Mises Caucus to do something uh, in violation of the, the party bylaws so she then had justification to oust them. Good times, right? So give us give us the short version. <laughs> that was the short version. Uh, okay. It doesn't get any shorter than that. Uh, there was attempted coup by the Mises Caucus. 
and this was this is a nationwide coup attempt, right? At at local levels across the country, there are members of the Mises Caucus attempting their best to take over the local Libertarian Party. Um, it just so happens here in New Hampshire, they were thwarted. Basically, uh, they were outplayed at their own game, which is why I called it you know forty chess or ten D chess, ten Ds because people think that's funny. Uh, they were thwarted at their own game because in in their haste to remove a very disliked member of the party, they may not have gone through the proper channels, and that is what caused them to be ousted by the head of the party here, who was then uh, backed up and legitimized by the head of the national party. And so in a, in a private in a private message uh, to one of these executive committee members, because, you know, He's an acquaintance. I would like to call him a friend, but we don't hang out as much as I'd like to. Um, I, I messaged him like, well, if you can't join him, beat him. Right? Like, you know, I basically said, like, do you want to start your own party? Uh, and then I, I linked him to my Facebook page for the Agorian party, which was, you know, uh, uh, April Fool's joke several years ago. And I, yeah, fuck it. If, if, you know, if, if you really want me to get into, like, electoral politics, is that the, if that is the avenue of activism that you want me to, to get to, uh, let let us start our own party, and so I came up with the idea for the Agorian party. And then I was talking to somebody else at dinner Tuesday night, and you know, uh, I'm going to say friend of the show again, but host of Free Talk Live, Ian Freeman, uh, some years ago in New Hampshire, was so dissatisfied uh, with the with the activism going on in, within the Libertarian Party that he actually did establish his own party. I, I think they said it was like the Liberty Party of New Hampshire or something like that. Uh, in in order to uh, compete with the Libertarian Party in New Hampshire, um, and at some point, you know, in that run of you know the L- the uh, LP versus the Liberty Party, uh, the Libertarian Party here got their shit together well enough where he went, okay, fine, I'll I'll you know integrate back into that and we'll drop this Liberty Party thing. But hey, you know, if 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 you are hell bent on you know if you really think that you have like the momentum and the support of liberty-minded individuals here who would not support the Libertarian Party and this dictatorial, hostile takeover of one individual appointing, you know, people close to her in order to ostracize and remove um, what they consider bad elements of the Libertarian Party. I go, well, just start your own party. Let's do it. Let's, 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 let's take this uh, Agorian Party for a spin here and just get all the people involved with that. Uh, now, the Twitter side of things, there's another gentleman who who had control over the official Libertarian Party of New Hampshire Twitter account, um, and he tweeted some very stupid things, even though a lot of what he tweeted I would probably agree with on principle, just not necessarily the way he was messaging it out, right? Um and so they, you know, they considered him like a GOP plant, just a troll. Um, and so in talking with, you know, this guy, you know, like, I probably agree with him. And he goes like, yeah, but the messaging is terrible. I go, yeah, well, he can be a part of the Agorian party. Just don't let him handle the Twitter and the communications, right? Let's save that for someone who can communicate the same message, but like more palatable to the masses, um, but that conversation went nowhere. So that's what that's what's going on here. So that's the, the short version is there was a, a, a coup attempt by the Mises Caucus 
thwarted by a, a, a petty dictator uh, of the Libertarian Party, and then we're, that's we're in the midst of that right now. So there was a there was a handful of you know executive meetings at the national level um, over the last few few days or a week or whatever to figure out what's going on. Um, again, I have I paid zero attention to that. I just <laughs> I enjoy the drama from the sidelines, but I also like knowing what's going on. Um, because again, I meet with these, you know, I meet up with these people at local meetup groups and it's nice to talk about things that, you know, are, are of interest. All right. So any thoughts, Ken? Nope. Nope. Really? All right. Let's move. Let's All move of that. You guys have nothing? <laughs> as All as that drama? <laughs> like no opinion it, whatsoever? It, no, it, like it seems, it seems like a whole lot of nothing. I mean, well, we, we had a we had an attempted coup here in Hawaii many years ago, like twenty years ago, I guess. When there was one guy who was very active in politics, but he wasn't libertarian at all. But he came to the meetings and he thought, well, this is a nice platform to get an automatic uh, position on the uh, in on the ballot. And so he t- attempted at our convention meeting to uh, to take over, and I I fought against it. I really battled him on that, and finally, it actually came to a yelling match, you know, to, to get him to get people to, to wake up to the fact that he was not libertarian at all. Sure. I, mean, I know that sort of thing happens. Yeah. Well, in this case, both sides would make the claim and I would, I would be sympathetic to both sides on the claim that they are libertarians, right? This is, this is the weird thing about libertarianism in general, right? Is it's not just like, it's not one thing. Um, Politics is divided amongst the left-right spectrum for good, bad, or indifferent, right? And libertarianism is divided along the same spectrum. Um, left libertarians, right libertarians, thin libertarians, thick libertarians, you know, whatever, whatever you want to do. And both have equal claim to the label, even though they're dichotomously different. So the Mises Caucus, right, they're like the principled libertarians. Uh, Voluntary association, non-aggression principle, that is it. That is the core principles of libertarianism that the party needs to reestablish in order to hold the mantle of libertarian party, right? And then whom they think they are fighting against are the thick libertarians who are in agreement with those principles, but also have all these other social justice goals that they want to achieve. Um, well, let me ask sure. one question about the Mises group. How do they stand on immigration? Uh, you would have to ask them specifically. I don't. I don't know their position on it. Um, yeah, that's that's the one thing that, that I, I found out is that they're they're uh, borderitarians, as far as I could figure out. Mm-hmm. And some of them might be. Uh, but at least the, the, the ones that I, you know, the, the ones that I know on the executive committee here that I talk to personally are not bordertarians, but I, I think that there is a, in the grander Mises caucus, right? Like the, the, uh, the Mises caucus on the national scale, um, there is a bit of that protectionism involved and the, the current libertarians who are, you know, victim to this hostile takeover, um, may consider that to be like racism or racist in some form or fashion. So 
you know, so, so we had a new guy come to dinner. He's a, a friend of a friend kind of thing. Like, you know, uh, another guy who's been coming to our meetup groups brought him. Um, he's, he's got a, a, a anarchist tattoo on his leg, but it's black and red. And I'm like, what's with the fucking black and red? Man? He's like, I got this before I knew that it mattered. Like I, you know, I was young. I knew I was an anarchist. I didn't know colors made a difference. So I go, all right, I can accept that. You know, like, you know, fill it in homie, you know, type of thing, but whatever. Um, but he came and, you know, he's like, you know, talking about, you know, uh, the libertarian party and the Mises caucus. And I just went racist. You know, I was joking with him, of course, but it's, it's definitely a stigma that for, you know, whatever reason or another, uh, the party carries with it. Well, it um, often embraces uh, Hans Hermann Hoppe and Hoppeism, which is very racist in its uh, outlook. So I don't know about the individuals uh, that are espousing the view, but I know yeah. that it, um, Hoppe is, um, uh, and, 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 and he doesn't uh, uh, pull any punches about it. He says uh, racists have every right to close the borders to anyone that they want and he's against homosexuals he's against i mean you know, in other words he, he he makes it a personal statement about what he likes and dislikes and therefore the country as a whole has to be excluders because he's an excluder right it doesn't leave any room for inviters somebody who says well i want to invite that uh, uh hispanic to come and work in my fields or to come and start up a business or something like that he doesn't allow any any room for the, for the inviter. Right. And oddly enough, right, no one wants to take up the mantle of the, the Hoppy Caucus, right? Like, they, av- they avoid that name uh, knowing that it carries an even greater stigma uh, because of that than the Mises Caucus. And I don't, I don't disagree entirely with uh, Hoppy's position except for the fact that it's done on a national level, right? Where yeah. nations close yeah. borders, I, right? I agree with you that as long as this guy is doing it with his own property and with his own community, who are all voluntarily going along, that's one thing. But he doesn't. Like you say, the national view means that everybody in the nation has to accept his, his determination of who's allowed. Right. But part, of, but within the principle of voluntary association, is the concept of exclusion, and you need not you specify or justify whom you wish to exclude for any reason on your own property, right? Yeah. So, so yeah. if Triple H doesn't like you know uh, Mexicans or gays, then he is free to exclude those members from his personal property. Uh, under the umbrella of libertarianism, like that's allowed. Yeah, it's encouraged. Yeah, absolutely, but but of course, um, he doesn't limit it to his own property. Right. He uh, imposes it on the nation as a whole. Right, and I I will I will cede that point because I agree with you on that point. But you know, that's that's just part of it, right? So you you can be uh, bigoted, you can be racist. Um, you can be homophobic, right? And you mm-hmm. can still be libertarian on an individual level. Sure, but I think it's still appropriate to call him racist, even though you could say libertarian if he was uh, limiting these to just himself and, and like-minded uh, folk. Um, 
Right. Uh, but uh, yeah, but there's no question about his racism. He's he's pretty blunt in that. Uh, Again, I'm not not disputing people. that. Just yeah, just noting that the that there is overlap between libertarianism and those people, uh, the bigots and the racist. Now, sure. do we want to lead with that argument? Never. It's a bad argument. It's bad. I optics. think we could we could lead with uh, Hoppy isn't. Uh, isn't a libertarian because of his position. So at the national yeah. level. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, but at the national level is, is know, his position. The, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is that's his, that is his position. So Fine. he's no longer a libertarian. And that's Fair. where that battle comes in. And I don't know, in, in New Hampshire, if, if that's a, a way of, you know, like you said, the, the Von Mises ones with the hardcore libertarians, well, they're not, if that's their position. And I found across the, around the world, there's, there's a lot of, in other countries, even much more enthusiasm for Hoppyism and the fan clubs, and and he's like a guru to lots and lots of people who say that they're libertarian and they embrace Hoppyism, and I think well that's a contradiction. Uh, so, um, uh, so I could see why there's this battle in, in New Hampshire between these factions. So one of the th- one of the things I sent this gentleman, you know, as part of our our message conversation, where I said, hey, let's start our own party. Um, I said, instead of blood and soil, we can go with markets and culture because that's, you know, that's, that's less, uh, less degrading, I guess, you know, less impactful uh, because this is where the racism aspect comes into play. And I think this is why other nations are more accepting of Hoppy's position is because it comes down to culture. It's not necessarily geographic location, um, but certain cultural values that people hold and people maintain. And I think that I think that that's where the line gets drawn um, in 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 smaller countries, right? In and European countries, because their geographic landmass is not as large as the United States, right? They are already more culturally homogenous and it's easier for them to maintain that culture than it is here in the United States. Now I'm not defending that. I'm just positing a reason on why that is. And so here you have like the racists who may be outright racist. Um, But I think at the core, it's a feeling of loss of what they consider to be their culture and as long as everything is wide open for infiltration and invasion, there is a fear, um, and I, I don't even know if it's an unnatural fear based on how you, you know, how you said other countries tend to fall in line with Hoppy, uh, that they are going to lose what they believe to be their culture. And I think that's why you have that exclusionary yeah, aspect of it. They're going to lose it anyway, but <laughs> maybe um, I, not. I think right. Japan think, is still Japanese culture, man. I like, think fear is the probably the wrong way to come at any of those situations, and it leads to well, it leads to breaking the non-aggression principle. And so, if if that's your excuse, of, well, I'm a, I'm afraid for my culture, then well, I guess join a different party. Yeah, right. It it may it, but it may not lead to. Uh, breaking the non-aggression principle on an individual level, right? If if your goal is to, you know, if your goal is to take over the party at the national level or at the state level and exclude entry to the geographic region, sure. Um, 
but I don't know if I don't I don't necessarily think that it has to go that far if that's take, your position. Take that uh, by extension. You could say, for example, um, all excluders want to prevent all inviters from uh, inviting a person from outside the country. By extension, you could say we will also exclude all inviters from buying any products from outside the country or or from a certain from the Middle East or something like that. In other words, as, as long as they think that their national view permits them to impose uh, their cultural view, whatever, on the other member, all the other members of their um, within a national territory, it's it's not just limited to immigration. It it can be extended to anything that you do. Right. No, I, I get it. Again, I'm not I'm not going to argue that side when it comes to national level policy or state level policy, mm-hmm. but I you know and and what. What I do agree with you is that these individual positions, when placed in a, a position of power, right, either running the state party or running the state government or at the national level, extrapolates out where they try to pass those policies that are in congruence with their individual position. Uh, but I, I, what, I, what, I, what I disagree with is that I, I still believe that you can hold those individual positions right, and still maintain the label libertarian so long as you don't act on those and preclude others from acting on their more open positions um, at larger scales, right? Like if we're, if we're neighbors, I can be exclusionary and libertarian. You can be inclusionary and libertarian. The problem only derives when I try to tell you what you can do or cannot do on your property next sure. to mine. Right. Sure. Yeah. So... I've, this is circulating around as well. These are, uh, uh, this is the uh, aspects and assumptions of whiteness, white culture in the United States. So this, I don't know where, I don't, I don't have a source for this. It just popped up on social media. Um, these, are, these are some common characteristics of white culture, uh, as you know, said by somebody, the M-A-A-A-H-C, I don't know what the hell that is, uh, White culture, these are some aspects. Rugged individualism, family structure, emphasis on the scientific method, history, Protestant work ethic, religion, status, power, and authority, future orientation and time orientation. Uh, The aesthetics are based on a European culture. Uh, Holidays based on uh, white history and male leaders. Justice based on English common law. Uh, Competition and communication. Those are those are aspects and assumptions about white culture, um, and again, right? Like, as as you know, someone who most people would agree is you know somewhat white for the most part, depending on where I'm at, right? Like I've always said, in Hawaii, I'm white. Uh, out here, I could pass for not, um, depending on how you know how white my surrounding individuals are. Um, but rugged individualism, family structure, uh, a good work ethic being the key to success, I go, I'll take it, right? Like, <laughs> why wouldn't you, why would you not want that to be a part of, of your culture if you want your culture to be like prosperous and successful? And, and, if, and if your culture is dependent on the state, maybe you want to change your culture. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that is not white culture then, right? Because white culture is rugged individualism. Oh, right? I know, but there, there's, all, there's all kinds. 
There yeah. is all kinds. But this it, is what is circulating right now. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's all BS. I would say that the, probably if you look at the vast white population in the United States today, uh, you'd have to look really hard for a rugged individualist by what that means. You know, like uh, 90% of the population is dependent and happily dependent on the government for one of the farm subsidies. You take all the those white farmers out there that, uh, you know, they say, well, we're rugged individualists, but keep our farm subsidies. Of course, because um, that benefits yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. so rugged individualism. I, these are all just conservative... Uh, yeah, uh, talking points. Talking <laughs> points, yeah. It doesn't have anything... Emphasis on the I, scientific method? A conservative talking point? And at the same point... They say, you know, religious. Well, for most of them, it, you know, religion and science are uh, at opposite ends. Yeah, I would agree with that. So, but pick one, right? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 right. Okay. Uh, in the re- in the religious in the religious section, it, it, it breaks down into Christianity is the norm. Anything else is foreign. No tolerance for deviation from the single God concept. Right. So those. those <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah, I mean, that's that's, that's the vast majority of the world, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the majority of the world, so it, it doesn't. But it, precu- know, it precludes I, a Muslim takeover, right? And Sharia law from coming into your town. No, it doesn't. You want to exclude they, they, those people? They believe in a single God too. That's so. right. They're they're based in Abraham uh, as Judaism and Christianity, and all of them are rooted in that same. All right. Origin. Fair enough, right? I just I I look at this list. And notice they say Protestantism to distinguish themselves from Catholic. Uh, Catholic. Oh, of course. Uh, probably, I don't know exactly the numbers, but I mean, yeah, these are all rather arbitrary. Uh, yeah. Things. But planning for the future, delaying gratification, and following a rigid time schedule? Well, the Protestant, the Calvinistic <laughs> Protestant ethic was not planning for the future because that was predetermined. Predest- yeah, fucking how, Calvinist, how you, man. <laughs> I mean, how, how can you say that? How, I mean, if, if, you, if you say that is like a... Is a, is a white thing. It's, it's a white so thing. Silly. That's what it it's says. Right. It's a white thing. Well, I know that's what it says, but how many people, how many white people do you know that, that aren't good with keeping a time schedule? You know, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's probably, you know, the same across the board for, you know, all of all races. It's, it's Right. But, but I look at this it, and maybe, it, maybe worse in Hawaii, but it's not a racial thing. It's just <laughs> Hawaii time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hawaiian time means everyone's fucking late for everything. Right. <laughs> get on white time and get your ass on time. Right. If, if, if you're on time, you're late. If you're 15 minutes early, you're on time. Right. That's, you know, <laughs> maybe I come from a white family, but that's the way that I would, you know, well, every time I go somewhere that's important, I try to be early. It would depend on whether you were German white or Italian white. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I yeah. anyway. I, Again, depending I, on where you're dis- at, I'm not even considered white. Yeah. But I, I will, yeah. I will dis- disagree with all that racial uh, stereotyping and yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, English common law for justice, protecting property rights, uh, intent counts. Oh, and and w- England also accepts eminent domain uh, as a trump card to any respect for property rights so i mean and, and that's rooted in well the ancient divine right of kings that they had the sure. right to everything again you're, you're always going to find exceptions to what i'm saying but what i'm suggesting as far as uh culture is concerned right like i don't w- th- th- those that i pointed out specifically 
I don't necessarily disagree with having those as like aspirational values, mm-hmm. right? Like you, you, you want, um, you want justice rooted in private in, in property rights, right? You want people to be, you know, respectful of your time and energy by being on time to things, right? You, you would, you, you want people, you know, to, to value science, um, in that aspect of it, you know, and as far as, you know, the ways to do things, uh, I want people to be rugged individualist, um, or the other ones, you know, I want people to plan for the future, right? The, 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 the whole, um, YOLO phenomenon or like, you know, you only live once or I don't, you know, live like there's no tomorrow, uh, to me culturally, like my value system that like reeks of nihilism because you can say it all you want. And I don't think anyone believes it. Right. Cause people who like, you know, plan, like live, like there's no tomorrow still go to work. Right. If there was no tomorrow. You would not spend your day at work. Like, <laughs> nobody would fucking do that. But nobody, nobody goes out and parties because they foresee, you know, they're planning for the future. They know that they have shit to do tomorrow and they can't go on a two week bender and still survive, right? You end up out on the street homeless um, at, at, you know, at the beck and call of the state at that point. Um, I, I saw a sustenance. meme that, that explained it better. It said, oh, that's wrong. You only die once, but you live every day. <laughs> yeah, well done. Sure. <laughs> but, you know, the, the, again, the people who go to work, right, don't think that they're only, that today's the last day of their life. They're not living like it's the last day um, because they accept a paycheck two weeks out, Right. Not only are you not thinking today's your last day, you're not even getting paid like today is your last day, right? You'll get your paycheck in a week or two, man. So, uh, again, my suggestion here with pointing out those examples is uh, whether or not it's white culture, right? I think some of those, at least the labels, right? You point out all the exceptions you want on how people actually are. Um, I personally find those labels to be aspirational. Like, you know, for for a culture to be successful and prosperous, right? I think that having some of those value systems instilled in the culture um, is valuable. And if you're going to have an influx of people who don't value those things, right? Who don't value property rights, who don't value uh, your time, your energy, or have respect for what you're doing. But a lot of those people, they should be excluded. A lot of those people are just other white people too. So it's, Right, um, because I, I am not a racist, so I don't care who, what color they oh, are. Oh, yeah, I know. I just, I value those things. I don't want to, you know, the, the, sure. the troll, you know, the, the, tr- the pawn, the troll pawn at the crux of this whole, you know, Mises caucus thing, right, looked white to me, right? Uh, th- they were not, you know, a, a person of color as far as my outlook on their outward appearance, right? So... But I still would not want to associate with, with them because I don't mm-hmm. feel like they have this value system uh, in place. Not all of them, but the ones that, you know the ones that I highlighted and pointed out. Um, but again, to circle this back around to you know the the Hoppian perspective of exclusion, right? If you, if you if your goal is for a a prosperous and thriving culture, you need to exclude those members who do who aren't in alignment with these values, right? Like how else I do don't you do think it? So. I, I, you don't think I, so? Because I, I don't think so. I I think that uh, 
There's tremendous richness. I mean, there's enough complexity and richness in all these diversity because every person has a different range of, of um, strengths in each of those uh, areas that you mentioned, you know. And so to find the person that fits all of those categories, I don't think you'd have anybody left, you know, I think. And maybe not even ourselves wouldn't fit into that category. Yeah. And I, I would say instead of ex- excluding people, just, you know, lead by good example. And uh, if, if you become successful, um, it's probably because you have those, those values. And so. Um, so it proves as a testing ground and a, a laboratory of, yeah. of comparative. And that's what competition is. Right. The, the, the competition of, of cultures and virtues. I don't think you need to exclude um, cultures by any means except by, like uh, MC says, um, by the competitive success of one over the other. Yeah. These things ex- work. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So if you're, going to, if you're going to have a competition on which culture is better, you're going to have to exclude those who don't align with your cultural values to show that, hey, look at that group over there who don't have our values. Right. This this is always why, like, you know, when it comes to the, the anarchist and the, uh, the anarcho-communist and the anarcho-capitalist, we go like, well, let the communists have their compound, right? And we will outcompete them in the capitalist marketplace, right? As long right. as they don't violate the non-aggression principle and attempt to steal from us, in which case we will defend our property, right? Let, let them work over there. Let them start their worker co-op. Let them form their unions. Let them form their compound. And we'll be over here trading yeah, I, amongst I ourselves. I don't care if anybody wants to keep their culture as long as I'm free to destroy mine. Absolutely. <laughs> Again, <laughs> no dispute. Go ahead. They, I'll, I'll let anybody exclude anybody they want um, as long as I can invite anybody that I want. Right. And, on, and again, a, no disagreement there on an individual level. Um, but I think, I, I think you, that you mindset could, is, what, is, what stems, is what this all stems from. You could say that the United States is a good example of how the, the mix of all these cultures and ideas and values made it the most successful. I mean, compared to like European countries or, or many countries around the world, Africa or whatever, uh, where, they, where they have been much more exclusionary, they've been much less successful. So in a sense, it's the mix that, that's proven, been demonstrated as being very successful because it, it inspires competition. It inspires uh, uh, adoption of things that are really good ideas from other people. And it, there's a tremendous amount of uh, um, innovation and ideas that, that germinate in that mixed culture that the United States has compared to every other place. California does compared to a lot of um, other states that are less so. I mean, for all the things that people may dislike about California, it's still been a huge melting pot of, of cultural values and it's a lot has come out of it in the last okay. uh, you know is there an optimal mi- optimal optimal mix then because i don't know if i would agree that the united states is still on the ascent as far as you know liberty and prosperity is concerned no it's gotten too easy and we're on the way down now because okay. everybody assumes that the government will take care of them and they're assuming wrong okay now is that assumption based on the current culture of the United States? No, I, I don't think it's based on culture. I, I think it's based on uh, expectations. Okay. Of I mean, 
the expectation is uh, what we have today, we'll, we will have tomorrow because uh, there's, there's this big net called the federal government, and they have infinite money, and it will always work. Okay. Now, uh, I am part of, like, the gun culture and the gun community at this point. Um, may not be, like, you know, the highest-ranking member, even close to the people who have, like, done it since childhood, but I do think that gun culture is one area, uh, one aspect of culture that definitely is separated from in the United States compared to other countries. Maybe not all of them, but a lot of them. Um, and I think that that gun culture is what has kept the United States as free and as prosperous as it has been for now and as those in power attempt to destroy that firearms, that gun culture um, is what may lead to a decline. Is that, is that a fair assessment? Like you don't, you don't see um, the love of firearms sure. in other countries and, as much as the United States. I mean, once, I mean, that's why the, the first two amendments are speech and guns. Right. right. And so when, when, when those two go or when guns go, then speech goes with it. Right. Um, so if the if the culture if there's a I'm going to I'm going to say infiltration of people that without those values infiltrating the United States and moving the culture in the direction of more restrict more restrictions on guns right and because of their vast numbers are able to move policy in that direction against principles of course uh, but still it could happen and it's, you know, working that way you know, already. Um, then that moves the culture for everybody. Aren't there more guns owned and more people who own guns than ever before? Yeah. And th the reason for that is those of us with like the, va the culture of those values right, are going, holy shit, they're going to take the guns. They're going to attempt to do this we better stock up now while we still can. Right. And it's, it, there's not, it's not an unprecedented attempt, right there. You know, the, the import restrictions on certain types of guns coming from overseas, right. Makes getting those guns more difficult, more expensive and maintaining them more difficult because you can't get parts for certain guns very easily because of import restrictions. And you know, how, how much parts, have to be like made in America or manufactured in America for you to be able to, to, to buy it. Right. And then, and then you have, you know, the, the whole um, attack on the AR 15 that's going on right now. Right. If, if the anti-gun culture gets their way, right. And with the stroke of a pen, right. Joe Biden's like about to do this. Uh, will make millions of those people felons overnight because they own a product that they will now deem to be illegal to own. Like overnight felons. But culture dictates, you know, that that's the direction we're going. So eat it, Americans. You, yeah, you, you, have, you, have, allowed, <laughs> you have allowed those anti-gun infiltrators into your culture and they have outvoted you and are taking your guns. Yeah, I was I was recently thinking about uh, China and the, and the Uyghurs, and uh, that are in the concentration camps, and they're you know it's a it's a big section of the country actually that is uh, being oppressed by uh, the the Communist Party, and 
I keep thinking about it and like, and it's, it's, to me, it's still the same answer is, is like, well, how would I help Venezuela? Like, well, find a way to get guns in there and let them defend themselves. Yes. Um, because they can't, you, I mean, you can never really count on anybody doing it for you. It's not like, uh, and, and some people actually want that to happen. They want the U S to go down to Venezuela and, and make things right. Um, but I think it would be a lot better for the people there if they did it themselves. Right. So, yeah. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm still trying to think of ways, you know, how, how do we, uh, get them guns, but I don't know, maybe, maybe they don't deserve them because their culture doesn't value, uh, protecting themselves. I would, I would listen so. to that argument. Right. <laughs> But then, but then we're, we're, we're talking about violently defending your culture, right, against encroachment. And I don't know how that's not worse, right, than just being exclusionary uh, to begin with. Right, oh, no, we'll I'm, let you come I'm, in, but if you try to take the guns, we're shooting you, right, versus no, you just can't come in. No, I'm saying for the, for the Uyghurs, they, you know, there's a lot of them there. Right. Uh, in, in China, they have a, a, a big section of the country. They just don't have any guns. Yeah. So they can't stop the political class from, uh, you know, taking the males away and sterilizing them, right. taking their kids away. But if their culture had been one of, you know, rugged individualism, right, and protection of private property, then they may have developed those tools and right. manufactured so, those tools. So that's my, that's my question is, do they now deserve someone going over there and saying, hey, here's some guns, this is how you do it? Or do, you, or do we go... Um, well, you guys don't have the right values, so you're screwed. And that's just tough luck, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, if there, if I, I, I would come from the what's in it for me, right? What, what do you get out of it by providing them guns? Well, right? if you, if you provide them guns, then you, you, you put a, 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 a you throw a run, a wrench in, in China's plan for world domi- domination. Sure. Um, so I think that would be a positive thing. And then you'd have more rugged individuals around the world that understand, you know, private property and, and rights. There you go. On defense of your property. And then you have more people that are cooler to hang out with all yeah. around the world. So, so that's the benefit. I, that's, 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 a, that's a good reason to do it, I think. But I, but I don't know. It's like, how, how do you know when a culture is too far, uh, uh, you know, socialist or communist or, you know, the, the ideology of, uh, you know, I can't yeah. do it myself. How, how, when is it too far? And, and, you know, the U S might get to that point too. I, I, I you know, I, re- I really believe that, you know, socialism can happen here because it has happened so much already. Yeah. You know, they, they just let the government take over healthcare. It's like, that was wrong. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I, and I think the Hoppians would argue that that's why you're exclusionary on the national level. They're already inside the country because they were let matter. in. What are we going to do? I don't Sh- know. Ship out people that were born in the U.S. Ship them. Ship the socialists and the communists to a different country. You'd be shipping out. I mean, for everybody who's on the dole, one way or another, from farmers to welfare to corporate uh, uh, protectionism, there wouldn't be anybody left in the country if you shipped out everybody who's on the who accepts you know, the dole. Well, then you would have to draw a line somewhere, and if you're on this much of the dole, then fine, you're out. Right. And if you're, if you're not on this much of the dole, fine, you're in, but you got to get off the dole. Right. It's time to get <laughs> time to pull up those bootstraps, get back to the rugged individualism um, and self-reliance and self-reliability um, and, and market functions as opposed to government interventions.
Um, there w- I, don't, I don't have the facts in front of me, but there's a story out there, historical story, um, about a, I want to say Polynesian or, you know, one of those smaller territories or islands maybe around like Australia or New Zealand. One of those, one of those, I don't know what to call that area. Um, Polynesia. Okay, Polynesians. But there, there was, there's a story of like a small Polynesian island that their culture was one of pacifism and they were invaded by, you know, a neighboring Polynesian culture, island, um, whatever you want to call that. And because of, because they had a culture of pacifism, they, they were basically wiped out because with every attack, they would not fight back. That would be true of Hawaii. The first wave of inhabitants were quite uh, pacifistic compared to the ones that came later from Um, Marquesas and Tahiti. Well, th- this was not Hawaii, but th- so it's, it's obviously there's a precedent here where it happens more than once in that geographic area. Uh, but 95% of their population was wiped out simply, be- simply because, you know, they were a culture of pacifism and would not fight back against an aggressive uh, invasion. So, well, I think that's probably true of most of all world history. Um, you know, through, if you look, Back at the history and prehistory of human beings, uh, it was always a Mike make, make, makes right um, idea, and I think that the, the the progress of civilization has been the adaptation of values that resisted the idea of of conquest. I sure. mean, we still had it with uh, you know in the last century with uh, the Soviet Empire and the Nazi Empire and the uh, and perhaps even the American Empire. Um, so. Uh, the Japanese Empire. I mean, the, all of these empires have been might make right over yeah. all else. So we're not all that far from it ourselves. Yeah. You know. And I, I would not say that I, I don't necessarily agree that might makes right. I've, I've always said might may not make right, but it does make it so. Um, and yeah. I would also separate a culture of pacifism versus uh, a, no, I don't want to say a culture, but the, the end result being a loss, right? Like you can battle and still lose the might makes right battle, right? Like you, you were outnumbered, outgunned, um, and you lost that war or that battle or that invasion or whatever it happens to be. And I think that that is a, a far better culture to be a part of than one who's willing to let 95% of their people perish uh, without lifting a finger to fight back. Like th- there's, there is a cultural difference there and I think one is more valuable than the other. All right. All right. Any, any more thoughts? Final thoughts? I think that's about it. All right. That'll do it for us then. We missed all the headlines. That's okay. <laughs> Save them. Next time. Yeah, yeah whatever. There'll, there'll be more by next week. Uh, that'll do it for us, everybody. You guys know where to find us. Anarchistexperience.com. Uh, on Telegram, t.me slash anarchistexperience or t.me slash the anarchistexperience. Once again, for now, find me on Clubhouse. Give me a follow and turn on notifications so that when we do hit the record button for this show, you will be notified that we are operating on Clubhouse uh, at Riches for Rich, R-I-C-H-E-S, the number four, R-I-C-H. And if you'd like to contribute to the show financially, you can do so through Patreon, patreon.com slash The Anarchist Experience. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week. Peace. Aloha.